Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he does dumb things and the people he loves most pay the price. It's Arturo Zarita. What a filler Marvel line going right there. Hey guys, how you guys doing? Welcome back to the Intercut Podcast. Myself, Art, my boy, Zach, you know us, but coming all the way over Ethiopia's Wi-Fi, past Ethiopia, all the way in Australia, down, down, down under, is our boy Bailey from Breaking Banner. Say hi, dude. Hey guys, how we doing? That uh, thank energy. You for us, <laughs> yeah. Bailey. Wait, was that was the energy good or was it down? I can't tell what people classify. I need, as, like, I need you to come energy. in with that energy right there. No, no, no. It's cool. well, we're it's coming in with that AM energy, and he's bringing in the PM vibe. Oh, I can. Right. St- yeah, time you got <laughs> time zones. Yeah, that's it. That's it. See, we're dealing with 12 hours difference right now, but that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. It's midday for everyone me should just be. Everyone should just be in American time zones. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to live in American time zones currently, so that's fine. That's fine. This is this is normal. Yeah, but yeah, it's cool to have you on, dude. If you don't know, he's from Breaking Banter. It's a duo slash now transitioning into this whole... He's got a whole other video uh, series that's going to start off. He told me a bit about it. Sounds really exciting. He's got a whole yeah. thing that he's coming up with, so it's going to be pretty dope. Definitely t- stay tuned for that, but... Here at the podcast, we obviously talk about a variety of things, specifically something that uh, we got for topic of the week that's going to be pretty dope. Yeah, we're in a little bit. We're going to get into some fan backlash and movie troll controversy, as well as the latest news surrounding Idris Elba and Scarlett Johansson getting cast in some new movies. But first, we start the way we start every week here on the Intercut Podcast with what we've been watching. Art, get us started. What have you been watching? Did you watch Ant-Man? No, I haven't seen it. Ooh. I haven't seen the Wasp. Why would I even be surprised that you did? I'd be like, why? You I, saw I it. did my fill of Summer Entertainment. Bailey, you saw it though, right? Yeah, man. I saw it like a week early. Hey, yeah. Yeah, I saw it. I, I shouldn't have added that in. Yeah, no, I saw it. I saw it before. <laughs> I saw it a week early in Australia. Yeah, time. that's it. So you had a couple of... <laughs> uh, no, so uh, I mean, you and I could talk about it. Yeah. I thought it was okay. I've been calling it like filler marble, which... Yeah. Yeah, right? no, that's, like, that, I think that's what most people seem to be classifying it as uh, currently, which it kind of is, because it's filling the time between uh, Avengers, like Infinity War, yeah. and then whatever the fourth Avengers is, so it is it is filling, uh, filling mm-hmm. the gap. I thought it was, you know, like, it's decent, man. Like, I have a hard time classifying Marvel movies, because no matter how much, like, I have to quantify them by excitement of, like... I watch them and I'm excited for like two days and then it just fades oh. no matter how much I love the movie. Like even Black Panther, like massive Ryan Coogler fan buzzing off the movie, saw it twice in two days and then it just declined for me, like disappeared. It's almost as if the movie doesn't exist since then. Um, Marvel movies are hard to quantify for me because they're staying power. It's such like an in the moment entertainment thing. And I got that mm-hmm. from Ant-Man. Like while I was in the Ant-Man and the Wasp, I was like, hey, this is good fun. It's energetic. It's while in- you're watching it, right? It's yeah. in third act mode like the entire time. There was an interesting thing there where it was like, there's no bad guys. It's just all people that want stuff, just constantly trading their wants crossing over um, and all being aligned around the same thing, which is interesting. I haven't seen Marvel do anything quite like that. As soon as the movie was over though, like I had to review it straight after and I was like, should have taken notes. I, I don't remember. I think that's a good that's a good point. I think like because I had the same thing you do, like Civil War, that when I'm watching a trailer or a bit for it, I go, Wow, this is yeah, this is really good. Infinity War, stuff like that. But I think the difference is that when we watch other stuff that's like, I don't know, has drama or something, the story sticks with you. 
And I think the thing with Marvel is that they're not bad movies just because you forget them. I think the no. excitement comes from when you're sitting there and visually watching it. That's it. Because I don't want to discredit the, the movies because, you know, yeah, some of them bad. have had, like, for me, uh, Homecoming had staying power. I'm still talking about Iron Man 1. Uh, what's it? Uh, Ten years later now. I still talk about mm. Iron Man 1 all the time. That movie did it for me. Um, <laughs> he's, in a, he's in a date. Uh, so tell me more about yourself, uh, Iron Man. Uh, 1 yeah, no, that, that's that, that's what I'm like. <laughs> Iron Man One is still the best Marvel movie. Come on, <laughs> like, um, but yeah, I I don't know. There's just there's a weird thing where it's also for me. It's just the filmmaking. Um, I've been going I've been going on like a Harry Potter binge recently. Um, for a video I'm, a video I may or may not be working on, and actually seeing directors take over and drastically have an impact on the style of movies. Whereas yeah. Marvel, um, you know, even they managed to neutralize Ryan Coogler, which I kind of was in denial about right. for a while. I was in denial about they've they've, and then you wa- like watch Creed back or you watch Fruitvale Station, you're like, Ryan Coogler is there in ideas and in themes, but where did he go as a like as a story like the kind of storytelling? Like I can kind of see that. Yeah, looks completely a bit different. Of a uniformity to the way that these movies all feel, which you know lends some kind of conformity and and cohesion to, to the whole franchise I, I do think that there's sometimes i i still i'm a i can't remember do you like the ragnarok or not i can't remember what side you were on that uh, were you right or wrong i <laughs> um i liked the movie while watching it and i, I think he's it, wrong See, no no hang on, hang on it paints it paints in broad strokes and it nails all of those big ideas but on a on a smaller level as the achievements between the big ideas i think it's really really a mess I think it gets the big ideas. It did a lot to correct Thor, and I enjoy watching it. Um, but I think there's just so much in the direction where it's like this guy was so under prepped for this kind of movie. He nails the stuff he was brought in to nail, but not the stuff. I know He's that's from really your controversial. Place. No, I know How that's so you? controversial. I know that's like because, and I really love, I really love Taika. I think he's fantastic, and there's a lot of really great stuff in that movie. But just stuff where it's like Thor lost his eye, and it didn't. You didn't even see it. Like it didn't even wasn't even a moment. He didn't. He was like the anti-Zack Snyder. That's the way I put it. So Zack Snyder's moment, uh-huh. moment, 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 moment. Taika was like, it's just one thing where stuff's happening, and I, yeah, it's a really, it's a really deep film, man. Like our review went. That's the longest review I think we've ever done because I just there was so much. It's just a really tight spiral. Well, well, we brought up Thor for a reason. Sorry, I don't want to keep blasting on Thor because I enjoy that movie. You want to hit me with what you were gonna say about it there? Uh huh. Oh, no, I was just saying, I think, like, when it comes to Thor Ragnarok and uh, the Guardians movies, I think those are the points where Marvel does kind of let the director do their thing. I mean, I always go back to Guardians. They have a they have a jizz joke. They have, like, a couple of jizz jokes in Guardians of the Galaxy. So I think See, that... Like, I think that's definitely more so a case in the script. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. You know, you can definitely hear it in some of the writing, but visually there is okay, something yeah, 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 yeah. Visually, here, visually, especially with the CGI. Yeah. The CGI and the way that the colors are done and such, but I think it's actually it back to the, the camera direction. The camera direction is is what it is for me. Is is it's all um, you can see. And I don't know. There was a behind the scenes photo that came out of Ragnarok where I kind of knew what I was in for straight away. Where there was like thirty cameras set up in one scene, and you could tell. I was instantly like, "There's not going to be any movement. There's not going to be any reframing, readjusting, composition, uh-huh. focus. It's all going to be singles." And this is what Ant-Man fell into in the dialogue scenes, was it was all singles, and it was just cut, 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 cut. And while I've been watching, I've watched Prisoner of Azkaban like 30 times or something in the last, like, I just watched it non-stop for this video I'm working on. I'm like, you can see in that movie, the director went in and had all these ideas. This is how we're going to tell the story. Everyone has to hit their marks. I just don't see these movies as being directed in a lot of scenes, because you have the pre-viz team doing 
doing the action half the time. You have these dialogue scenes. I'm like, what's the director for in half of the Marvel movies? I will say Infinity War really lifted the, the their bar for that. But Ant-Man, it was the same kind of thing. I was like, what was Peyton Reed actually there doing? I don't have any... What else has Peyton Reed done? Uh, he did a he did a, a rom-com before, and he was doing TV and a rom-com. Um, Nothing against the boy. Nothing against the boy, but... No. Uh, I definitely think Ant-Man feels like an SNL sketch. I think it feels like a, a, a sitcom type of thing, and that's where I see it as kind of being the filler. It's not a bad thing, but it's one of those things, and I think you felt more of that with Thor, where Thor Ragnarok kind of touched on it, but then when the Russo brothers had the Thor from Ragnarok... Oh, they, they nailed it. They it brought it right, right back to where they needed it to, yeah. I feel the same thing with the Russos when they took Ant-Man. Ant-Man in Civil War was one of my favorite yeah. characters in Civil mm-hmm. War. So I can't wait to see him in Avengers for it to see, oh, Ant-Man to me was okay. Then I see him in Civil War, I was like, I gotta go watch that movie again? Ant-Man and the Wasp, okay. And then I'm gonna see yeah. Avengers 4 and I'm gonna yeah. be like, oh, so this is how it's done. So I feel like, like again, it's just that stepping stone it again. It's almost like the whole movie leading up to the after credit scene was just like, yeah, take it yeah. a time. Uh, don't don't forget why... Ant-Man exists. Like, yeah, 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 we know what you guys came here for. It's for this little thing right here, this little snap. But uh, yeah. Can I throw out a, a, just a hypothetical though? Uh, you know, we're in this infinity war phase, Saga, right? Yeah, yeah. Where, where there, there's this huge thing going on. I, is it, is there a case to be made that Ant-Man more than just filler is like, all right, let's take a breath. Because not everything can be cataclysmic. You can't, if you just keep raising the bar and raising the bar and raising the bar, you're going to, you know, run out of places to go. You kind of need maybe something with a little less stakes, maybe something Ant-Man sized in between. No. Yes. I'm going <laughs> to say yes. Yeah. I'm going to say yes. No, I agree with you. I think that's the, that's mainly the point that they were going for is that they just wanted like a little bit of a breather room because they need something to fill up the calendar year day until, uh, what comes first? Is uh, it Captain Marvel uh, Captain or Marvel. Avengers? Captain Marvel, yeah. Okay. What month is she coming out in? Uh, March. March 23rd, I think, is the date. They finished filming Aven- today. So, yeah, I saw it. And then yeah. Avengers would be what? Uh, May? May, yeah. yeah. The main thing with them is Marvel movies feel like a roller coaster. And you don't think about a roller coaster once you're off of it. You think about it for a little bit, but the excitement comes when you're on the roller coaster. You just want to get on the next ride, but pretty much, exactly. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or rewrite that thing again. So that's, yeah. what, that's what Marvel is to me, a roller coaster. And I appreciate the art of roller coasters. No, that's, a, that's a pretty much perfect analogy, I'd say. That's pretty spot on. That's sure. it, Anything yeah. you've been watching, Bailey? <laughs> Besides uh, Ant-Man? No, uh, we've got a film festival on here uh, right now um, that I've been a part of kind of semi, you know, promoting and putting together. Um, and... I finally got to see You Were Never Really Here um, after waiting, because that was, like, one of my most anticipated for 2017. We did the list, and then it got the whole way through 2017. And I was like, it's not out, because Australia gets movies um, all over the place. Um, we got a lot uh, of movies, we didn't get like... A, we didn't get in the US until 2018, either. Yeah. Okay, well, we, yeah, so we've only that just got great. it now, and there's four showings in my state, uh, which is, I think, almost the size of, like, half of the US or something. I live in Western <laughs> Australia, which is huge, but, like... Yeah, population's pretty small. Um, but yeah, like, we've got four showings of it and then it's gone. Um, so anyway, we've, we've, finally, we've finally got it. I've finally been able to see it. Um, and it was, every, it was one of those things where, like, there's certain movies where I see the reviews, I know the filmmaker, 
I'm so confident in it that I feel like I would be wrong if I walked out of it and said I it was bad or I didn't like it. Like, it's one of those things where I'd go back and be like, saying. I'm going to watch it again and again. Certain movies, like The Revenant was, like, my most anticipated of 2015 or something, whichever year that came out. And, like, mm-hmm. as I was sitting in the theatre, within the first 10 seconds, I was like, this is going to be my favourite movie this year. And it didn't budge, mm-hmm. whereas, like... And that's pretty much the same thing that's happened with... Uh, you were never really here. It was just, I because Lynn Ramsey, I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with any of yeah. your other stuff. Um, we need to talk about mm-hmm. Kevin's, one of my favorite films Fantastic. of all time. Fantastic. Yeah. A, a must-see movie. I think everyone in the world needs to see that movie. Um, but yeah, You Were Never Really Here literally started and within about 30 seconds, I was like, pretty sure this is going to be in my top five by the end of the year. <laughs> it was the logos. The logos were still coming up. We haven't even seen her name yet. <laughs> oh, it was pretty much, yeah, it was just, no, it was actually sound started over the credits. And for me, if I hear like a good score before I see an image, I kind of know instantly that the movie's most likely going to be pretty good. Like uh, I was, I mean, you can, uh, it kind of puts you in a certain place. And if the, mu- that- yeah, if, if the music is correct, like again, like at the world premiere of like Shape of Water, no one in the world has seen it yet. We're sitting there and I'm like, yeah, it starts like 10 seconds in. I was like, yeah, this is going to deliver. Those and music's it, playing. And yeah, it. certain soundtracks. And this here, was, which is done by Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead, who was just nominated for uh, Phantom Thread. Music started straight away, and I was like, I know I'm in for this. So for you guys who don't, don't know uh, out there, who don't know what the movie's about, it's like Taxi Driver, but with Joaquin Phoenix, and it's more messed up, I guess. That's it, that's, yeah? That's fair, yeah, that's, that's fair. That's it. Have you, have you guys seen it? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't. Okay, I know. Well, I don't. I don't like to spoil things anyway. Usually, on on my own channel, I don't even like to give the synopsis of things. I like people to just force them into it. Just like I said, it's good. Go and see it. Um, yeah, watch it. But blink. like, but honestly, like, because I hadn't seen anything for it, so it was my most anticipated movie, and I hadn't seen anything for it. I just knew roughly what it was about, who was making it, and honestly, man, like, just the peak of art. Like, I don't know how. I don't know. That probably sounds pretentious as hell, but like, the entire movie was just like bliss. It was like the best, like anti. Um, because it's kind of like Taken in a way, you know what I mean? It's like it's like a ta- it's like. Uh, it, I heard it, it, a lot of people comparing it to Drive. Yeah, it's in that. Well, I guess Drive. For the point I'm making here, it's like so it falls into that same type of thing as like uh, is it Man on Fire and like Taken hey, and those type of movies where someone's right been like kidnapped and then it's but they're like yeah. this is like the right. anti version of that where all the action beats are neutralized and it's all about the moments in between. So all the mm-hmm. hectic music will be happening over someone just driving as opposed to it'll be like a chase scene, no music, then a scene of them just going from A to B, music that's super intense. Like, it was a weird thing where it was like the anti um, kind of action One version. of those movies, yeah. And I just thought it was so interesting from that, like, not even from a subversion perspective, because The Last Jedi's treated, changed the way I talk about subversion. Uh, subversion mm-hmm. on its own isn't a good thing, necessarily. It's, uh, it's more like how it's subverting things. But here it really felt like, let's take what you know and flip it, I guess, about these types of movies. So we're getting all hyped up for these, like, action scenes. You're, like, always about to, you know, go and butcher someone. You're getting keen on that action. And then it doesn't happen. You have this introspective moment where you're like, I wanted to see that violence. What does that say about me? I don't know if I'm looking too far into the movie, man, but, like, it just hit me on, like, that kind of level where I went from, like analyzing the way I'm watching it and then it turned back onto myself so I just had a real kind of... And then you're of... asking questions. Yeah, yeah I, I guess... It's, it's definitely I just... a very subliminal movie. Yeah, man. I really got into it. Hey, it was pretty euphoric. That was... Yeah, that was it. I think that's the only thing I've seen aside from rewatching Prisoner of Azkaban over and over again. <laughs> but nothing nothing, nice. nothing new. I don't think I've had a pretty quiet couple of weeks. Um, nice. Yeah. Music? 
Uh, for me, one of the things that I've been watching, uh, the romantic comedy Set It Up popped up on Netflix, I think, last week. It's uh, What'd you think of this? Because I had so many people that watch Set It Up, watch Set It Up, do an LME on Set It Up, and I'm like, I, I, yeah. I, and I watch it. I, I'm surprised that this seemed to really make a dent, because it, it, for the most part, seems like a pretty typical romantic comedy. Right? But I think there's something kind of delightful in the performances. I think they've got a, a really charismatic cast. Uh, the quick rundown of the plot is it's two assistants to uh, high-profile people decide to help set up their bosses, kind of unbeknownst to their bosses. Uh, the assistants are played by Zoe Dutch and Glenn Powell. The bosses are Lucy Liu and Tay Diggs. So it's four charismatic actors yeah. playing charismatic parts. It has a kind of interesting twist in terms of the ways that romantic comedies go. It's not anything that's unexpected. And you, you kind of feel the beats coming as soon as uh, the, you know the move, the scenes start. But it's kind of a delightful way to spend a weekend afternoon, uh, especially on Netflix. I I think you know it's a it, we've had a lack of big romantic comedies in recent years. It seems like it's been kind of like a decade since we've really had uh, a movie like Hitch that kind of dominated the box office. Big I mean, uh, you and I liked. Uh, sleeping with other people, but that was kind of a minor movie, and there's a few others that pop up, but this is in the vein of more of a traditional romantic comedy. It's very delightful. I, I didn't find it too groan-worthy, so uh, if that sounds appealing to you, I would check that one out on Netflix. It's a great Zoe Dutch performance. I really like her. In So here's the thing. You're a big Zoe Deutsch fan, or Dutch, or however you say her name. I don't it's know. It's a really, Deutsch. really difficult name, eh? Yeah. I know her as the girl from Sweet Life on Deck. However... <laughs> My biggest thing, and I've had this debate be between the two of them, Haley Lou Richardson from Columbus and uh, Support the Girls this year and Edge yeah. of 17, or Zoe Dutch, Deutsch. Do we have to choose? Bro, I've already chosen. Yeah, I'm, I've, I've already Richardson, chosen as well, Lou Richardson. And I haven't even Thank seen you. Columbus. I haven't even seen Thank Columbus you. or the other one. I've seen, it, um, what's it? Yeah, Edge of 17. She was in something else that I saw. Bro, uh, isn't she in... Um, Fantastic. She, she's in. Uh, is she in Split? I feel like she's in Split. Yes. <laughs> yeah, boy, she in Split. Yeah, she yeah. is. Yeah, she's in Split. Yeah, yeah. so I, I'm gonna go. I just I've noticed that when it comes to like I see their movies pop up and I always had to do a second glance. I was like, all right, is this the one or is it Zoe? And it's usually Zoe. But hey, Lou Richardson's got a lot of movies that are coming out. So yeah, I'm excited it's, for that. I, give Zoe her time. She she's been in some really cool stuff, wasn't she in Mad she, Max Fury Road? Who? No. Which one? Neither no? of them, but I don't know. I don't know which one you meant. Uh, I'd be uh, watching Mad Max Fury Road right now if that was the case. <laughs> she was in the Before I Die. I, I mix her up was. with. And she was in that. Uh, everybody loves summers. I, everybody wants some. Everybody, yeah. Everybody wants some as well. Yeah, she was in yeah. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, she was really good in that. That's probably the best thing I've seen her do, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. She was only in it for like two, three scenes, but she delivered. Mm, uh, she was like Haley Lou Richardson in that one. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see where uh, that ends up going. Uh, Art, have you watched any of season two of Glow on Netflix yet? Buddy, you want to talk about it? Let's go, because that's my recommendation right. for the week. Go ahead. Right. Well, we can we can hold off a little bit, but it, it's still excellent. It's uh, better. It's get it's showing you more of the cast. It's getting deeper into all these different people. I, I love the structure of a lot of these episodes. Uh, it's getting deeper. You know, I think very much the first season was like introducing you to the concept, to the world, to these mm -hmm. people. And especially uh, they do this thing where they have 
these kind of offensive stereotypical characters that are basically just mentioned in the first season yeah. and they kind of deeply analyze um, a few of them in um, this in the second season you're talking it's about the really, episode really with the cool sun. yes bro that yes. was i haven't been to episode eight yeah i don't know bailey if you've seen glow but that's no the, the, uh the, the, i don't know if it's ever the type of thing i'll get around to but it's something that like it has it's been on dope. my radar because reviews have been yeah. really good I think it's the kind of thing that if you just watch one or two episodes, you'll be like, I I get get a chance to watch like one episode of TV like every (laughs) two weeks. Well, that's the thing with me. I always talk about that, right? My biggest thing is always like TV. I'm always super behind on just because I'm always worried about the filler and just the length of it. But there's that episode in Glow. And I haven't haven't gotten to episode eight, which a lot of people. Yeah, that's when I keep saying raved about. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Episode eight. I'm not there yet, but there was that episode. with, what's her? Why, why am I blinking on her name from Community? Why am I blinking on her name? Uh, Alison Brie. Alison Brie. I was thinking Brie. Yeah. I was going in reverse. I think Captain Marvel. Uh, Alison Brie's episode in the hotel room. I was like, okay. But the episode that stuck and resonated with me the most is that one about the welfare queen with her son. Yeah. And it yeah. just, I don't want to spoil or anything, but just the ending on how the son is disappointed but doesn't judge her. It, that like stuck with me so like, it was a beautiful episode. It seems like it's yeah. going to be a, an embarrassing, tragic episode, and it becomes this beautiful, just... It was really sweet. Mass is a good show. <laughs> yeah. It's a good show, and it gives you a really great ensemble yes. vibe. Like, there's not a lot of shows on TV right now where you feel like you're hanging out with a peop- with a community, with people. Uh, no pun intended, I guess, with Thousand Breed, but... Eh, eh. We'll take it. it it's... It's it's a really fun show. Uh, if you like early Orange is the New Black, this is coming from a couple Orange is the New Black writers, so it's got similar vibes, but it's that half-hour comedy uh, with some drama in there, really easy to watch. Mark Marin is really fun in it. Uh, I, I would highly, highly recommend second season of Glow. And okay. then uh, I can't uh, let this segment go by without just mentioning the World Cup is awesome, and that's the best entertainment I've got this mm. month. <laughs> Sport. I don't know. I've, I've, I've caught up with the world. Sports good. Ball's great. Yeah. Sports ball. All right. So uh, that's about it for what we've been watching. Let us know what you've been watching in the comments down below. We're going to get into the yay or nays, talking about the latest happenings in the entertainment industry, starting with the casting news around Scarlett Johansson that uh, has caused a bit of controversy and many op ed pieces. Uh, Scarlett Johansson has been ca- cast in a new movie called Rub and Tug, in which she's set to depict <laughs> a. Tr- <laughs> that's no, that's the, the name title. of the movie. That's, that's the title. Yeah, kids are gonna love that one. Yeah. Uh, so it's set to be. She's set to play a trans man, and this is going to be directed by Rupert Sanders. A lot of people are noting that Rupert Sanders is also the person who directed Scarlett Johansson in Ghost in the Shell, which most famously is known for its whitewashing controversy. Uh, This time, the controversy is surrounded about the idea of a cisgendered actress playing a trans character. And in response to the controversy, Scarlett Johansson's people put out the statement, tell them they can be directed to Jeffrey Tambor, Jared Leto, and Felicity Huffman's reps for comments. Miss me with that. (laughs) Or yay or nay, is this an appropriate way to respond to this um, controversy? Look, I'm going to say nay, right? And I, But I can look at it both ways. One, regardless of how I feel about it, I, I personally think 
that getting a mainstream movie about any subject that isn't in the mainstream, that's the best way to go about it, in my opinion. I'll cover that a bit more, right. but I can still look at it and be like, Johansson, I'm with you. Are you with you? This is not how you respond to something like that. I also agree with that, that if you do not like the movie, it doesn't matter what it's about, right? Like, as it, uh, Coco comes out, and it, it's a terrible movie, I don't care if Pixar covered Mexico, as that movie's trash. So the same thing being here, where it's such a sensitive subject, for this specific demographic, that when you got someone like, uh, whatever, Rupert, whatever his name is, right? We saw a, go a ghost in the show, right? That was the same one where I was like, well, you know, I get it. She's not Asian, but she looks like the character. Then I watched the movie and I go, I, I ain't defending you anymore. When we remember the plot twist of that movie... I'm going to spoil it because if you don't care for Ghost in the Shell, you don't care for Ghost in the Shell. She was actually an Asian character who yeah. was kidnapped and turned into a white woman... Yeah. Then I go back and I look at their, their their PR statements and it was like, how about you watch the movie? That was the dumbest thing. That's like, that's like, you know what? That's Tekashi not the worst explanation on? for it. That made it worse. Right? So that I made it worse. I was like, oh God. I was like, Takashi was on The Breakfast Club and what's his name? He said, are you a sexual offender? And he's like, Google it. Google <laughs> it. But if I do, that's not good for you. And it yeah. was something like that. So when it comes to a scenario like this, I'm just like, the way that they're approaching it is the dumbest thing in the world because you have to listen. E even if the demographic that's may not be uh they may be a little uptight or however you want to see it it's still you're making this movie for this specific demographic you get what i mean like you cannot make a gay movie and not have gay counselors on there uh a minority movie and not have african-americans latinos whatever it is that said uh the idea that scarlett johansson cannot play a tran character in my opinion and you can definitely mm -hmm. disagree with me uh it's like when you have a bunch of movies that they need a high-profile name. And I understand that. You, you know, why not get a real trans person? And you most definitely can. But some of y'all didn't see Fantastic Woman. Some of y'all didn't see Lawrence anyways. If you don't even know the names of those movies, I cannot take you seriously when you're talking about that. I also love clicking on some of these profiles and seeing that they love Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> Who was cast in Brokeback Mountain? Straight actors? Straight dudes. So... My thing with that is that a movie like Brokeback Mountain opened up the door doorways, though. You get what I mean? Mm -hmm. That was nominated for an Oscar. It had two prolific actors, and it was pushing that forward. Mind mm -hmm. you, they were a bit more respectable <laughs> than when you have Scarlett Johansson, who I want to say, and I've always been big on this, don't put someone's intent in their mouth. You know what I mean? I don't think Scarlett's right. doing this just because she wants to bank off of uh, you know the trans community. I think she wants to do good. But then she says things like this, and it's like, yeah. homie, girl, what are you doing here? You know what I mean? So I, I think that uh, high-profile movies with high-profile actors mm -hmm. can open up the doorways, and then you get those people. You get what I mean? Like, Love, Simon just came out this year. Right. A bunch of the actors in there are, uh, you know, they're part of the LGBT community. Um, but from what I know, Simon himself wasn't. I don't think mm -hmm. that changes the aspect of that movie. Mm-hmm. And, and not that being gay is perfectly equivalent to being trans, but there are some representation. In the representation. Of That's what I'm representation yeah. and the depictions of minorities. Bailey, uh, do you have any thoughts on the rub and tug casting news? Terrible title. <laughs> there's, yeah, awesome. there's there's a lot of issues I, mean, I, I have with this got movie your interest. Uh, already. Mainly starting with the title and then starting with the director, because that already tells me like, is this really something that we should be worrying about too much? Because the movie's probably not going to be very good. He does not have a good track record. Right. That's the whole other um, thing. <laughs> and that's that's the, that's the starting point for me. But it was interesting because I saw um, a response to. I can't remember at what point I saw this news pop up, but I saw. Uh, the response from um, Johansson and her, you know, her team, 
And initially I was like, yeah, girl, you tell them. And then I thought about it for a second and went, oh, hang on. I was like, ooh. So it's like a weird thing for me because I don't think the response is the best way to handle it at all. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, don't look at me, look at someone else. Um, I think there's like a, you know, kind of uh, something's inherently wrong with that approach to it. Um, saying like, hey, that's not a big issue. This is this other issue. Go and pay attention to that instead. Um, even though, you know, drawing attention to the issue is still a good thing. I think this is a really I- interesting issue because it winds really tight, I think. Like there's a lot yeah. of, um, there's a lot of things kind of in it. And I think with the, with the representation thing, I, I think that's a really slippery slope because I want to see, um, you know, I... I work as a director and I work with, you know, a lot of actors and I work, work with a really broad spectrum of actors, um, you know, with all the different, you know, um, you know, different race, uh, different gender, different, uh, you know, backgrounds. Um, yeah, different, different backgrounds. And, you know, you want to see people being, you know, represented. Um, I haven't worked with anyone that's, that's trans. Um, and I think that, you know, like it would be good to get, trans actors playing trans characters. I think that's that's a good idea. Right. Yeah. But I also don't think we should take... Because there's an element like that we need to understand of acting being acting as well. Um, and I think if we start having everyone fit into their... I think it ties into that whole thing that we're having now with that... Um, uh, with the thing of movies, like if it depicts something, it endorses it. Um, which yes. is something that I'm starting to see a lot of nowadays. I saw some uh, something pop Man? up on Twitter the the Mad Men one. The Mad I don't even watch. I haven't even seen Mad Men yet. I've seen a bit of it. Um, uh, I, kill me! I really need to watch that show. Uh, too many shows to watch. I've got the box set. Haven't got to it yet. For, for reference, there was a big film Twitter thing where a, a critic, I believe, who writes for Vulture, was basically criticizing Mad Men because its central character is a sexist misogynist who. Uh, drinks a lot of alcohol, and, so, and, and essentially, the the whole controversy was around this idea of whether or not depicting this stuff is endorsing this. Which, of course, Mad Men wasn't endorsing right. Don Draper's behavior. But it was yeah. that idea that even talking about or having fun with it, enjoying it, makes you just as bad. It's things that we've heard about with Fight Club. Uh, Wolf American of Wall Street Psycho, as well, yeah. Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street. Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. Wall Street's a good example. And to a degree, Breaking Bad. You know, some individuals yeah. even make their channels based around that name. And you know what? It's just you can't be endorsing drug <laughs> drug people with uh, in New Mexico who are starting, like, empires. But yeah. I agree with you. There's a, there's a separation that I feel sometimes people can't make. Yeah. And but so, it's not endorsing it. And so with with that, I think there's an interesting thing. It's like, do we get to the point where we have someone who's playing, you know, like uh, we're doing season four of Mindhunter and we need someone who's... Is an uh, actual psychopath? Serial... And no, like, this is a really broad... I, I don't want to, like, lessen the issue there and, and move it too far yeah. away in that way. I really don't want to undermine the issue here that's faced by a community that wants to see themselves represented. But yeah. I, yeah. I think all of this uh, stuff... Or I've just... Sorry. I've seen stuff just snowball like this over, like the years that I've been doing this in this, this film community with issues that were never an issue are now an issue and it's made other smaller things because that issue is now, um, that's the way things are. Things have changed that way. Now issues that were small five years ago are now the big issues and it keeps going and going and going like that. So I'm just concerned right. with the fact that we will start having a problem with, um, you know, stuff down the track where it needs to be the actor. We're removing a lot of the acting part of it um, mm-hmm. and I know like I, I don't want to 
say anything like I don't want to say any of this stuff kind of like out of line because I don't want to disrespect you know um, the community that is well, feeling I, this struggle. I think but some yeah. of the I think some of the issue comes down to uh, you know like you were saying uh, no no not even authenticity uh, which is a part of it but also opportunity uh, and you look at one one thing that strikes me about the statement that's so uh, kind of it works against its own point is can you even name four trans actors like if you're this is a part this is an opportunity that's being taken away from potentially like a Laverne Cox or a, I think her name was Daniela Vega yeah, from Daniela Fantastic Vega, Woman yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you're talking about all these cisgendered actors who've had this opportunity now when we're talking about a movie like Transamerica which Felicity Huffman got nominated for an Oscar for over a decade ago that was a more novel concept to be brought into the mainstream we didn't really see trans stories depicted uh, in this way but now we're living in an era of a fantastic woman and a transparent with Jeffrey Tambor which has faced its own controversy yeah. and <laughs> well has, Tambor has himself yeah yeah but one of the ways that transparent has mitigated its controversy over use the use of transgender uh, plot lines is by casting a lot of transgender actors around the tra Jeffrey Tambor character yeah so you know I while I agree while I agree with Bailey's point about the whole idea of um, art being representative and there being a power in uh, being able to transform and represent like you know Roger Ebert called movies an empathy machine and I think that Stop. if we if we fail to recognize the ability of movies to help us empathize with people who we aren't or we don't necessarily see similarities to uh, then we're denying a lot of what makes movies great but at the same time uh, We've had these opportunities for cisgendered actors to play trans characters, and and nothing about this director-actress pairing makes me makes me think that we're going to get a very nuanced, interesting portrayal here. Definitely. If this if we lived in a world with more equal opportunity, I'd be down to see Scarlett Johansson's uh, trans movie, but it, without the without these opportunities. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, can I just say with that as well, as well, I think there's a definitely a, a quality of there being like a novelty thing to it um, for actors. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys like yeah. know it, but like you say to an actor, hey, you want to play a trans role? And they go like head over heels f for that role because there's a novelty to that type of thing. There's a reason Jared Leto jumped Ooh. on that role straight away. You Eddie, look at the Eddie Redmayne Oscars. And yeah, yeah Jared Leto, yeah, like yeah, you, you said, You look Oscars. at the stuff that Jared Leto goes it's for. You can imagine little... they handed him Dallas Buyers Club and he was like, oh, I'm all over this straight away because there's that They're transformative thing and you, that then, trans that then puts you into the, the Oscars, you know, the awards it's season It's a little category. like playing gay 10 to 20 years ago. Yes. You know, Tom Hanks is gay in Philadelphia. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's because there's almost like a novelty thing to the casting as well, which I do think we have to be conscious of. Um, but yeah, it's just a really kind of tricky issue. I think overall, like if I'm gonna say I'm I'm gonna say nay on that one. I think you know just in general, I do think you know there's actors out there that are becoming more present that are uh, you know transgender, and I think that they probably uh, it's their time to shine. I guess that's how I would end it. If you want to support these movies, go watch Tangerine. Go watch yes. Uh, Fantastic Woman. Fantastic Woman. Lawrence Anyways. And there's another one at the tip of my... Tomboy? I, I haven't seen Tomboy. But those three for a fact, though, because yeah. I believe you can get all of them on Netflix. If not yeah. Netflix, VOD for sure. So watch those three. Yeah. That's just my biggest thing. And go support those movies that are already out there. And if you're demanding the change going forward, make sure you go out and see the movies when that change is delivered. Yeah. Yep. If, if you do want to make a statement, don't see this new movie. And chances are you're going to end up not seeing it because it won't be that great. But 
make a statement, don't see the movie. When you do have that representation out there, seek it out, go and support those movies. Mm-hmm. We've heard rumors of a Fast and Furious spin-off movie centered around Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham's characters. And this week we got news that Idris Elba is set to play the villain Let's in go. the Hobbs and Shaw spin-off. Uh, we'll also be getting... Uh, What's her name? Uh, Veronica Kirby, I believe her name is, from The Crown, joining that cast. Art, or Bailey, let me go to you for this one. Yay or nay, Idris Elba as the villain in the Fast and Furious <laughs> Yay. universe. Yay! Yeah, that's the big, that's, that's a, um, I'm all for it. Uh, I think Idris has just been doing fantastic work lately, and that's more testosterone in one film than I can handle. Like, that's, that, I'm gonna have, like, an overload watching that movie with those three guys in it. Yeah. That's, like, that's insane. Um, yeah, look, I'm all for it. I think... Uh, I don't know who the director is of the movie. Um, I don't think it's even really going to be that good. <laughs> Dwayne uh, himself. <laughs> I would not be surprised at this stage. Like, the guy... If... Oh, uh, so it's David Leach, the Deadpool 2 director. I forgot that, and man. now I'm way more on board. Yes, yeah, yeah. Deadpool 2's uh, John Wick. That was it. John yeah, Wick? He's apparently... Well, let's see how long that lasts. I have a feeling that won't follow through. Because um, oh, he's, he's got, got the like, three. He's, he's announced for, like, three separate films right now, I believe. Oh, is he going to DJ Khaled did? Did you hear what DJ Khaled did? He was supposed to be the wireless fest in the UK or something. And, and then they're like, oh, he couldn't make it because of the plane. And they're like, bro, he just tweeted that he's on vacation and he's got a private jet. <laughs> Possibly the most Khaled thing I've ever heard. Exactly. So it's like this thing. He's like, oh, I'm going to do this movie. It's like, you literally have no time to do this. <laughs> another one. Another one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, look, I, I'm interested to see how that actually turns out, but I think I'm yeah. all on board with that um, that movie. Um, I got, Rock must have really wanted to get away from Vin Diesel, hey? Yeah. That's, that's that like a, he's like, oh no, I'm the one who reinvigorated this franchise. I'm going to keep it going, but I'm going to do my own Facts? thing now. Kind of? But yeah, there was that whole fallout. I'd recommend anyone just go in there and search it up. There's videos on it and stuff. They had a whole fallout, and now he's got his own spinoff. And I'm for it. I'm for the Idris Elba thing. Seeing him play a villain. I loved seeing Charlize play a villain in the last one i think their villains are pretty good so mm. I'm, I'm up for it yay yeah uh not to diss too much on the fast and furious franchise but i feel like a spin-off movie with jason statham dwayne the rock johnson and idris elba is basically giving me better version of the fast and furious if this yeah. is how they're going to expand the universe i'm all for it might just you be the imagine- furious part Right? Just minus, minus the fast, just the furious, yeah. yeah. The furious. Can you yeah. imagine this franchise getting so big and then people go, oh, yeah, did you know it actually spawned off from another one? What? <laughs> what are those movies? <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> no, that's okay. I, I get around the fast films, to be honest, since uh, 5. Justin Lin, did a, Justin Lin did a great job bringing that one back. Um, they're dumb fun. They're dumb fun. Yeah, and dumb fun that doesn't treat you like you're dumb. I can't really account for <laughs> the, the seventh one, which I thought kind of... Yeah, struggle with that a bit. But at least uh, 5, 6, and 8 actually treated the audience well. They were actually really well made. They weren't a, a, a triple X, put it that way. Mm. <laughs> uh, Disney's upcoming film, The Nutcracker and Four Realms, under, underwent extensive reshoots in December of last year. So extensive that original director Lasse Hallstrom, who was unable to make it for the reshoots, is not going to be credited as the sole no, director of Nutcracker and the Four Realms. Uh, Joe Johnston is going to be receiving a co-director credit. He'll be on the second line of the poster, below Lasse Hallstrom's name. Art, yay or nay, you could see more movies doing shared directing credit in the future. I think it's already happening. 
think we've been, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, this isn't yeah. like, a, oh, I wonder if this is going to continue. Let me back up a I'm, bit. I'm in kind it's, of shock from that just quickly because I was just talking yeah. to someone the other day about how, how excited I was about seeing that director take on the movie in general and I'm kind of in shock now hearing that now. I had, I had no idea. I, that's really shocking to hear. Okay. I feel with Oof. the news being out there more, like being able to cover a lot more things and we get our movie news. I believe this has been happening for the longest time and it's usually yeah, been, the, you know, it's usually been the studios. We've been hearing this with all the Star Wars movies yeah. recently. Lord and Miller shot part of Solo and then Ron Howard finished it. I think a uh, report came out that he was responsible for about 70% of what we saw. So, so it's been happening. The whole Josh uh, Whedon yeah. thing with uh, Justice League. Yeah, uh, a bunch Rogue of the other One, movies Rogue One got redone a bit after it was done. So I feel this is going to continue to it's happen. It's interesting that this somehow fell enough in the middle that the Directors Guild felt they needed to d divide responsibility. Because like you oh, said, wow. we've seen situations similar to this, but uh, you know, Tony Gilroy is like uncredited for his work on, on Rogue One. My thing is just... He should be, because he did so much of that movie, it's so obvious to me. What was with the reshoots? Like, yeah. if the man finished his job, then he should have... If he didn't finish his job, then he should have been... You know, it's in the contract. This is when we're going to do reshoots when needed. But he wasn't available, which tells me that the reshoots were done in haste, maybe, because they wanted to redo something, a producer, someone watched it, which makes me worry about the movie, because I think the movie looks interesting. Yeah, I think it was that the well, reshoots were more extensive than they originally planned. Okay, well, we'll see. Yeah, that's interesting, because I'm just looking, I thought Joe Johnson, I was like, I, I feel like I know that name, and it is because it is uh, Jurassic Park 3 and uh, Captain America's <laughs> First Avenger. Um, yeah. So, a stylist director... Which is interesting. This is what I notice about all these directors they're bringing in for reshoots now. Is they bring in someone who is a who has a neutral visual style, who is a storyteller, uh, as all directors are, but have neutral visual styles. It's what they did yeah. with Ron Howard. Like you describe what a Ron Howard film looks like. Describe what a uh, a movie. What a what a, <laughs> yeah what a Tony Gilroy film looks like. You can't, um, and that's why they bring them in is because they're someone who's just going to get the oh, job good point. done. Good I'm point. really well. That's that's why man like watching Rogue One. That's why when I watch Rogue One, I can see you've got Gareth Edwards with his handheld camera, and then you when it as soon as it cuts, I, I can literally see on a cut when it was to Tony Gilroy because it was on a crane, it was moving, it was swinging, it was like studio mandated. Um, yeah. I'm I'm really I'm so stunned by this news because I had no idea it was happening, and I was just watching the trailer the other day because the cinematography is by Lana Sangren who did uh, La La Land. So I was from oh. that perspective, I was really keen to see. Um, it looks and I'm interested, I'm interested whether they brought him back to finish that off because he would have been working on First Man right. last December with um, Damien Chazelle again so right. oh you're saying I'm, if they even got a new cinematographer I'm instantly feeling this film's gonna be and uh, now looking at the trailer because the trailer goes from stuff where I was like wow to ah to so I'm hmm. yeah look um, I can't remember what the actual question part of this was but I'm, I'm, I'm just shocked <laughs> I'm just so shocked by this news currently that I don't I'm Whatever they've done there, I'm against it. Put it that way. <laughs> Put it that way. I'm against whatever they've done here. I'm not a fan of this this reshooting business. I know it happens. Yeah. But if it is happening at the magnitude that it is, and we are only just finding out about it now, obviously Justice League is an extreme case. Uh, uh, what, what was it? Uh, Ro uh, Solo is an extreme case. Yeah. But I'm sure this has been happening for a while. Why are the directors not in a position... Uh, where they are able to finish their movie is is what I am finding interesting. How are their contracts allowing them to move on to another film before they are done with the one they are working mm -hmm. on? 
it's also this interesting because that means they're uh, not there in the editing room that means that, yeah, that they just, have not booked the time to be there i just find that yeah it's this interesting shift we're seeing where i think uh a lot of times we've been given this idea or fed this idea of the director as the steward of a movie as the as the captain of that ship whether it's going back to you know uh, you know, the 70s Hollywood auteurs and, or Spielberg's blockbusters. It's, it's the director who is uh, the main vision behind it. And now we're seeing an era where it's really the studios are the main vision behind it and they kind of are just bringing on directors to help guide it along. Yeah. Scary. Scary anyway. stuff. Scary, yeah. yeah. Uh, we were really excited to see what Trey Edward Schultz would do next after Cretia and It Comes at Night. It seems that he's set to reteam with A24 on a pretty unexpected movie, though. Lucas Hedges and Sterling K. Brown will join him for Waves, a musical uh, set to come out, I believe, next year. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are also attached to do the score. Okay. Bailey, yay or nay, is this a exciting move from, the, from Trey Edward Schultz? Well, put it this way, if I hadn't have heard that news and I was still drinking my water at that point, as I heard you said musical, I would have spat it out. Uh, yes. Yeah. What? Um, no, I heard about this earlier this week and I'm fully on board. Um, the fact that I haven't seen Krisha yet. Um, I've got a, oh, it's one good. of the few films I have sitting on my laptop, meaning it is ready to go and I still haven't watched it. Um, but I loved It Comes at Night. I saw it twice. Absolutely frothed it. Hearing him do something so drastically different next up, fully on board. I don't really have anything else to say about that other than that is just, there's a lot of yes there. Two actors that are working at the kind of peak of their game as well. Uh, straight up, yes. Same. Yay. I think he's a very interesting director. I love listening to mm -hmm. his voice in interviews because he's got that smoker's deep voice. I'm yeah. curious to see how he does a twist on a musical a little bit differently. And Sterling K. Brown's the man, bro. I just saw him mm. in Marshall last night. Sterling Ooh. K. Brown's getting work, man. So, yes. Yeah, Sterling K. Brown is great. I uh, love Lucas Hedges. Kelvin Harrison, who's the star of It Comes at Night, is also signed on to do this movie. Let's go. Um, so it'll be interesting to see him in a very different kind of role. But, yeah, I mean... Krisha and It Comes at Night, for, for what they share, they're still very different movies. Yes. So he's obviously a guy who can work in different types of genres. Good. Uh, this seems like a big step in a different direction. The fact that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are attached That's makes also me feel like this is not going to be That's like what I'm a, telling. Like, sounds like a horror old-timey Broadway musical or something. So I'm very on board for Waves. I'm, I'm curious to see what he'll give us. Uh, let's get into the rough cuts and just hit a few news stories quickly. Stefano Solima hey. won't return for Sicario 3. Art, yay or nay, that's good news for the Sicario franchise. Yeah, for the people who liked the last one, I'm sure that they're going to like this upcoming one. Uh, Sicario's an anthology. The director and the writers have said it. Some people don't want to believe it, but yeah, sure. <laughs> Uh, Miles Teller is set to play Goose's son in the upcoming Top Gun sequel. Bailey, yay or nay, you're excited for the team-up of Tom Cruise and Miles Teller. I haven't seen Top Gun, so I... I oh. Look, I'm, I, you put Miles Teller in anything, though, and I'll, I'll watch it. I'm obviously going to have to see the first one uh, before seeing this one, because I'll have to review it. But yeah, put Miles Teller in anything, and hell yeah. Awesome. Uh, Nick Reffin is starting a streaming service of cult classics... <laughs> that he'll be giving away for free in anticipation of his new TV series art, yay or nay. This is a good way to promote your new stuff. Sure. <laughs> that guy's crazy. Yeah, he's actually yeah. genuinely insane, man. Right? 
Yeah, sure. Have I ever told you um, about when I interviewed Nick Greffin? Why? I, I interviewed him when I was still working on a co- at my college radio station. And it was after Drive came out. So I was talking to him about Drive. Uh, the other, it was a interview with two other people there. And one of the other interviewers asked him if he would ever be interested in doing a superhero movie. Uh, and he said, I don't think I need to do a superhero movie because Drive is the best yes, superhero yes. movie. Yes, I've seen this bit. I've seen I've seen this quote. Yeah, yeah. That... SG! <laughs> he, he's very into himself, I'll say yeah, that much. Yeah, he least. does not, does not uh, kind of mince words. He goes straight for the throat with everything right, he he's says. Like the Kanye of the, he's like the Kanye of the movie world. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty much, eh? Uh, and lastly, Sony uploaded the entire cut of <laughs> Kali the Killer to YouTube instead of uploading the trailer. Bailey, yay or nay, do you think Sony received a copyright, copyright claim? <laughs> from themselves yeah <laughs> yeah that's uh that was that's honestly the most like unbelievable thing i've heard in quite a while like that uh that intern got fired for sure hey like very yeah. quickly how yeah, does that's... that happen how do you not see the difference between a 10 minute upload and a three hour <laughs> yeah. upload the this, internet must be su- they must be on some super fast internet hey like something that i can't even comprehend yeah wonder why this 100 gigabyte file is taking so long to upload this is like when DreamWorks did that. Remember when DreamWorks, or the, the copyright way, when DreamWorks uploaded whatever it was and they copyrighted their own thing, their own trailer? Or when uh, <laughs> The Mummy uploaded it without any of the dialogue? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we all remember that, yeah. Oh. Yep. We don't remember The Mummy, though. Where were you when? Foolish. All right, so that does it for our yay or nay news. Let us know what you think about all these topics in the comments down below. We'll get to reading them if any of them are interesting to us. Uh, so keep with us. We're going to get into the topic of the week. And on this week's show, our topic is fan backlash and movie trolls in light of some directors and filmmakers taking to Twitter to deal with Star Wars backlash. My boy's going at him. You know, it's a topic that will never die, it seems like. Uh, But I think there's been some interesting developments that are worth talking about, considering uh, the recent interactions Ryan Johnson, Christopher McQuarrie, and James Mangold have had with some Twitter-based Star Wars fans. Uh, I believe it started with Ryan Johnson answering (laughs) some attacks. Uh, He's snapped, Uh, man. He's snapped. He's had enough. Ryan Johnson's kind of funny, man. I I hope he doesn't go crazy. I, I mean, think look, he already is a bit. He did a Star right? Wars movie. You gotta be crazy enough I think to sign onto that. Right. There's only so much abuse you can take before I feel like you gotta say something yeah. back to it. And when you when you are in charge of a franchise as big as Star Wars, you're gonna be pissing off a lot of people, regardless of whether or not you're doing well yeah. uh, with it. So he's responded to some people on Twitter, basically dismissing controversy or laughing at laughing at uh, people's frustrations with the film Christopher McQuarrie the director of the most recent Mission Impossible movie ended up tagged on some of this stuff and has also kind of shared his thoughts Bro, he took uh, he took the ball and went all the way to the end zone with it yeah he in responding to some basically responding to the tone of why are you doing this with your life to different people on Twitter uh, I think one quote I have here is my friend after five minutes of this I don't know why you're still on Twitter I would have loved to have make a Star Wars film someday I'm cured Uh, I think this all kind of 
came to a head and finished with James Mangold, who is currently signed on to do the Boba Fett spinoff, I believe. Uh, he, t he tweeted earlier this week, at the point when working, writing, and directing big franchises has become the emotionally loaded equivalent of writing a new chapter of the Bible with the probable danger of being stoned and called a blasphemer, then a lot of bolder minds are going to leave these films to tax and corporate, uh, corporate boards. Somebody said they already have. He responded, if you, if you feel that's the case, if you feel filmmakers are just corporate tools and powerless, then why bitch at us? In the case of Ryan Johnston and Christopher McQuarrie, I assure you, these cats are not owned. They actually fight your battles behind the scenes. The fervor of some attacks has an evangelical ferocity. Now I get it for many folks, including me. The Star Wars saga holds tremendous spiritual power, similar to religious texts, but we must remember to try and handle our disappointments the way Yoda might, as opposed to Darth. I retweeted the shit out of that. I'm just going to point that out in oh. advance. That was, I, yeah. Bailey, you want to get us started? What are your thoughts oh. on James Mangold's going in on oh. Star Wars haters? Look, I've been really actively involved in the Star Wars kind of community recently since the sequel, uh, you know, since the sequels. Is kind of, they've come out in like my generation, you know, I kind of missed the original Star Wars movies. Um, right. Well, obviously, I miss. I wasn't born then. I missed the yeah. prequels just. Um, you know, I got into them a year after Revenge of the Sith came out. So this Star Wars is my time. This is this is now. Um, I've been really involved in it all. And look, I, this... We have never seen anything on the magnitude, I think, in the history of film. Probably ever. Like, I don't think even back in the 50s, 60s, there was ever movie... Obviously, the platform of, of the internet wasn't available, but we've never seen anything quite like what is going on here with Star Wars. It, it, right. It's honestly... And I think at some point, the filmmakers, you know... Um, obviously, the studios want them to keep quiet. Like, there's only so much of a leash they can, you know, keep them on. Um, but At the I, same time, there's only so much abuse that can be directed to a person. And, and that's it. At some point, I'm glad that these guys now are stepping up and and actually, you know, it's interesting that people are hurling... So much of the stuff I see is abuse getting hurled at them and then as soon as anyone says... Anything any of these back. guys say anything back, they're like, oh, you can't do that, you have to be professional. And you're like, how yeah. is someone supposed to fight, like... That's the thing. Like, like how, you, how do you... Ex what do you want from them? That, that's the thing I keep coming back to, Bring is, is what to do these people... Fight. Actually, yeah, what do they actually want from these guys? And I'm glad to see that these guys are stepping up and trying to, you know, like, there's there's definitely an element of them having fun with it now. They've realised yeah. that some of these people are, are lost. They'll, you know, they'll and never I, get it, yeah. I, I don't want to say that they'll never... But, like, they are honestly so convinced in their ways that, that you know, what they're saying is right. And obviously there is no, you know, right or wrong to you it. You don't have to like the movies. But you don't shouldn't be insulting other human beings right. on a like daily it's basis. It's 2018. You know, politicians are on Twitter now. There's only so much that we can uh, expect, like a professional discourse or whatever, when you're being hateful to someone. And this is not, you know, Twitter's not anonymous. Uh, it, yeah. it feels anonymous, but it's not. Right. And the funniest thing about this is that they weren't unprofessional. You were just mad no. you got schooled. <laughs> Yeah, y'all yeah, confusing that, that, that professionalism it. with you got a whooping and you don't know how to take that L. That's right, what happened right. there. That's it. But I, I like the fact that they've, you know, it, it's a really kind of. I, I feel like it's a messed up thing in a way that I'm I'm so for it. But they've taken people who I, I feel are more or less lost and use them as a demonstration for everyone else. And I know that there's probably some form of you know 
ethical thing to that where it's like, is that okay? But they're, they're literally showing, they're like, here's an example of something that is dumb as shit. And now we're going to take this tweet and I'm going to use this to hopefully educate other people on why this is dumb as shit. And if you're hearing it from the top, can you then say, you know, like, can we, um, like, can we say that, like, I'm losing it. I'm losing that one. But like, it's like, I feel like if we're hearing it from the top, people are going to start listening. I I think that's what I'm trying to say there is if you're hearing it from the top, we're going to, people are going to start listening. You were talking about how this is an unprecedented thing in the in the course of entertainment, and, and getting this type of response from our entertainers is also an unprecedented thing. Exactly. Right? Like, yeah. You know, there's always been people who ha- haven't necessarily liked art, uh, hey. but, but to to <laughs> but to get to but get to hear the creators justify their their decision making, getting to hear. Uh, some of the emotional toll that these decisions have made, I think is going to be, is a unique thing that, you know, we often treat our films and our entertainment as these products. And, you know, if these, if they're products we don't like, we want to return them the way you return bad food or something. But, all right, go ahead. Zach, Bailey, do you believe, because I've, this has been a debate for the longest time, should directors explain their work? No, I was just going to jump onto that. No director wants to explain as much as, like, I don't know. Have you guys, have you guys filmmakers at all? Have you guys made films before? Just out of curiosity, yeah. have you guys done? You had that thing stuff, inside yeah. you where you want, you want to tell people what you were thinking. There's that, there's, unfortunately, there's that, like, kind of ego thing that you can't kind of combat. Where you, I feel like you want to say, at least for me, you know, I want to tell people. But at the same time, you don't want to have to explain it. You want your work to speak for itself. So I think it's really saying something that these guys have hit the point where the... Obviously, it's a case of mis- the misconception of stuff is so that, bad that they have how, to speak how do you, up. Exactly. How do you not I think want to explain really, something when people that's are... That's really something. Because so. I don't think... It, no, I don't think anyone should have to explain their work. I understand that some people enjoy... Like, Zack Snyder really enjoys kind of people bring details to him and he, he confirms them. And I think that's a fantastic that, thing that he great. does. Is he interacts with the community. I mean, I'm not a big Zack Snyder yeah. fan at all. I'm mm-hmm. learning to love the guy slowly over time. But there's a, an element of interaction there. And I think there's a positive... You know, there's a positive thing that can be said there, but no one wants to sit down and, you know, have to explain their movies like that. Even on a even on a, a commentary. I mean, I don't know if you guys have listened yeah. to the Last Jedi commentary yeah. track. Johnson no. didn't really overly, ex- mm. you know, it's not like sitting there and uh, giving a lecture. You know, like a, like a right. film school lecture. No one wants to do that, and that's what these guys have been pushed to a point that that's what they're doing. They're giving a film mm-hmm. school lecture. They're not just talking about their movie and, you know, I love shooting this scene. Here's what we did here. We did some really cool things you might not have noticed. It's not a case of that anymore. Um, and so, they're, yeah, they're literally being put in a position where they're being forced to not even explain their film, but have to explain themselves. Themselves, exactly. I think it gets to a certain point. See, I've always felt that's our jobs, right? Like, one of the biggest things right. that, that I've always liked doing is creating They're, they're going to put us out of a job if they keep doing this. We're... we're <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, to to be the ones to kind of... I've always felt, because then uh, the debate that I then saw this going into was criticism. And I, I don't know if you have the tweets for that, but what I specifically stumbled upon wasn't this whole thing with Star Wars, but it was when it dived in and it became this Twitter moment between uh, McQuarrie and um, Johnson talking about criticism and what was the point yes. of criticism, was it worth it or not. And they had said a lot of things that I agreed with. They had said some things that I didn't. And where there's that idea where if you don't make a movie, then you're not allowed to judge it. I don't agree with that. I also, there was that thing about, does the filmmaker know the movie better than anyone else? 
to a technical degree, yes, but you also cannot define the movie for an audience member. And I've always felt for us who have a presence in, I guess, the film community, if we do in any way, shape or form, um, is being that person to not tell people. And we had this discussion before the show, Bailey and I uh, and Zach, we've had it in between our honeymoons and stuff. We've had this discussion. That idea that who cares about. Yes, this movie is good. Yes, this movie is bad. What about the why? And I think it's always been this thing where uh, a lot of pretentious film fans always go, there's no reason to explain it. Well, well, but, but like those kids, they don't get 2001 A Space Odyssey. You know, there's, there was that whole thing with uh, 13 Reasons Why making fun of it because it was so pretentious. And I feel that many times that pretentiousness comes in because pretentious, whatever, however the noun of it would be, the whatever it is, <laughs> refuses to explain because it wants to be this inner circle. And I don't think it's bad to explain movies like 2001 and The Shining because the reason why you like it, sure, there's this visceral experience because you're watching the film, but people who don't understand it don't know anything about it. We were talking earlier about cigars, that I had gotten cigars to celebrate, right? But I don't know anything about cigars, but there's an art to cigars, right? It's like some people just drink I'm a beer aficionado, I would want to say. Some people just drink beer. They drink their Keystone. But there's an art to craft beer. These are strong. Yeah. Holy. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't understand the arts of food and movies and music until you understand film theory and music theory and the different notes to taste and stuff. You know, you were talking about coffee earlier, how you just don't like the taste of coffee. But I'm sure that you still respect that there's... There, there's a certain craft that goes into it. Yes. And yeah. and when people go, oh, there's no reason to explain movies and stuff like that. I'm like, but how? We're, who's gonna reach these kids? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, to to hit that quote. And I thought that that's kind of been our job in a sense to kind of remind people, or not remind people, but kind of open them into that world of, yo, you're new, you don't understand this stuff. It's okay yeah. to kind of get it explained. It's like you said, the filmmakers don't need to be given the lectures. But the lecturers out there aren't doing that because we're getting this whole group of people who go, this is an inner circle, and if you didn't get the film, you don't understand it. Homie, you don't understand the film either. Like you were saying, we were mentioning earlier, where it's okay, you do not have to like a film, but the most interesting thing I've always found is when some people go, that movie was trash and it didn't explain anything, and you go, what about this scene? Oh, I didn't even get that scene. Right. Sure, you don't have to like it, but I'm just saying you you didn't get it. We don't want to make movies this elitist thing that only yes, you know, the intellectuals can understand at. or it's only for the intellectuals. Because those intellectuals the weren't time... always intellectuals and that's the biggest thing I think most yes! people miss. This is the goal of my channel is that I started out as someone who didn't understand. My favourite movie for a long time was uh, From Paris with Love with John Travolta and it was it's a trash movie. But I didn't understand yeah. anything better at the time. And I think a lot of people fail to realise that you shouldn't understand and read movies the same way now, uh, the same way five years ago that you do now, or the same way... For me, it's on a daily basis. Like, it should change day by day. Yep. So, I think for me, it's a, it's one of those things where I think it needs to constantly evolve, and I think the, the discussion feels like such a closed-loop thing. Yeah. And it's why part of my process has been trying to... I've been trying to eliminate words like uh, overrated and underrated from my vocabulary. Or, or uh, Wait, what's, the, what's the big one on Twitter? Objectively. Well, I, obje- <laughs> well, no, well, I've, interesting relationship with that word, which I won't, I won't get I won't get into, because I believe... I just want to point everyone to a video that was done last week by uh, Just Right. Um, mm-hmm. Just Right. 
uh, Sage Hyden uh, did a video. Um, he did a Last Jedi video, had a lot of backlash. So he did a video on the way people watch movies and the fact that you can actually have a... There's like a semi-objective zone where different people fall into different categories of why they watch a film based on certain reasons. So I'm a critic. I work in a critical mindset all the time. I will fall into a similar category, a group, not a, not a specific thing. We all walk out of it saying the exact same thing, but we're looking at that movie with a different criteria than people... Um, you know, like say the Marvel movies are a good one because a lot of people go in for a fun time. Yeah. Whereas I'm there cause I, not even cause I have a job to do. Even if I wasn't reviewing the movie at the end of the day, I still watch movies in a certain way where I expect certain things. I read a visual language and an audio language differently to other people. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's something there to be learned over time with the fact that I just want to shout out that video. Cause I think it's a really interesting watch for a lot of people that different people watch movies in different ways. And mm. I think this is something that people are failing to kind of understand currently, and it's why I think the film community is so all over the place. It's why so you I, feel this is like a failure of audiences, not a failure of filmmakers. I think it goes both yeah, ways. I, I, I think it, it goes, it both, goes ways. both ways. But I think it's a, it's a lack of um, kind of, I guess, you know, I don't want to say it's understanding because everyone, some people are content with their understanding being in a, a certain way. And I, I don't like to use the term level. Um, but I do think there is a sense of levels to it. Where, no, there is. You know, there is. You know, my my whole family will uh, watch as movies as surface level as you can get. Because that's and what they, they want. Look, yeah. They can look. They can look at. You know, I watched movies like uh, let's say I watched The Revenant with them at one point. Um, I rarely watch movies with them because they talk the whole way through and it drives me nuts. <laughs> uh, but I watch The Revenant with them and they can watch that and go, "Hey, that's a good looking movie." But they can't tell right. me what each Why? shot in that movie is telling you. They can subconsciously feel it because that's how the movie works, but they can't tell you how and why that shot worked that way to make you feel that way, which I can. And that's something that I think, you know, like, when we talk about the, the way we're talking about movies, there needs to be an understanding that there's a different levels to it. And, you know, when people come to my channel and to my reviews, you have people saying, you know... Um, levels to oh, it. You know, we just watch it. Oh, you guys, you know, you've got no idea what you're talking about. You're not speaking, you're speaking a different language. You know, like, what is it you're doing? And I'm like, yeah, it's a different language. You can learn it. I'm here to teach you. Yeah. And so I think that's what a lot of people, you know, it is, it is a language. It is di different people out there are speaking different languages. And we all think we're speaking one language. Right. I think that's the way I treat it. We all think that we're speaking that's one language. Film is... It's a babble. Well, there's, there's multiple dialects, don't do a very good job of uh, understanding Each that other, like, yeah. this might not be yeah. for me. Film Twitter yeah. is the Tower of Babel. That's what that is. We're all coming in from different perspectives. But I think that there needs to be that consistency. Like you said, you watch every movie. doesn't matter if it's a Marvel movie or a, what people call an Oscar bait film. You're going in there with that same mindset. I yeah. think some people pick and choose. And I'm sure you got in this in your comment section. It's just a movie chill turn off your brain yeah. and watch it then you'll find that same person in another video super pissed off at transformers going this movie's dumb that's yeah. where i see a problem with people's logic going oh you're picking and choosing selective we were talking about this a little bit last week even when it comes to film criticism about about wanting to be critical and i do see a lot of people coming in with a lot of biases even when they think they're being critical we were talking about sicario last week which again besides the movie and, and whether it's just dumb fun or not i know you didn't like it that much the second one second sicario yeah it wasn't, wasn't huge what i saw a lot of viewpoints was and i was talking to zach about this because i had seen it in february as opposed to seeing it now was a climate political uh, political climate that had changed yeah i watched this Context. yeah the, the shift yeah and seeing a lot of people come in and i'm going but i thought we were just talking about judging a movie for a movie right now i start seeing biases 
Which you don't have to like the movie from the beginning at the start, but I, I noticed that where a lot of people forgot that their uh, Sicario review from 2015 was still published online. But now that the climate's changed a bit, you were backtracking on that. That's where I find it a little bit interesting. This is where we go back to that conversation we were talking about earlier about representation and stuff, where many times, where, where even when we think we're being critical, we're not being critical of the movie, we're being critical of our own perspective, of bias. We were talking about Mad Men and how Mad Men is a perfectly crafted show, but now we're kind of a little in the back of our mind thinking, but he's a bad guy, can I support a bad Well, you're not supporting a bad yeah. guy. It's a story. Right. Yeah, you find what's going on interesting. I mean, you know, it's like this idea... That, if we only made things about things we support, you know, we would never have heist movies or we would never have uh, movies that right. depicted racism or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, which I think are all important in their ways. Uh, I want to circle back to something that Christopher McQuarrie said. You were talking about how he's talking a bit about critics. Uh, these are two tweets that I found interesting, or three rather. Uh, all angry, bitter, nasty criticisms have the same qu subtext. Quote, you squandered an opportunity that should have been mine, end quote. I can't say criticism never, never bothered me again, but it never had the same power. Angry criticism has even less, because I have never seen the angry critics' pain. The people criticizing Ryan Johnson have every right to do so. The angry ones have every right to be angry. He did not give them what they expected, That's and he fair. did so in a way that they feared. They take one quote as hostility to their feelings, and they hold on to this as justification. They take the moral high ground and squander it with personal attacks. They don't realize that the only criticisms that really hurt are the ones that are right. And nothing makes criticism more wrong and easier to s dismiss than making it personal. Yes. And I think this is a, going back to a lot of what we're saying is that, you know, it's a, a lot of these attacks go over the line where it's not even about the movie. It's about saying, you know, Ryan Johnson is the worst person that, alive. That's not criticism. Like that. Yeah, I know Bailey gets this all the time where they stop talking about your review. I, mean, I get it all the time too. They start talking about you, and it's like, bro, you don't know yeah. me. No, yeah. and that's all oh, you mad I didn't like the movie you liked. That's interesting because I had an interesting relationship with this. I did a video a couple of weeks ago um, about the response to Solo, and I talked about my own relationship with the DC universe. Um, because I was someone who was super excited for Batman vs Superman, right? Like super mm -hmm. excited, unrestrained. This is back before I used to really look into, you know, what's the movie actually going to turn out like? Because you can read that coming from a mile away on pretty much any movie, right? And I was fully into it. Saw it opening night. Came out of it. I, I was. I felt like these Last Jedi fans do right now. I felt betrayed. I felt. You know, I, I was violated by the movie. I was, and I spent like a couple of weeks calling out Zack Snyder on everything. Like, honestly, hashtag like fuck Zack Snyder, uh, take him off justice. I, I was like he a was manic the one. fan. No, I, I was, I was one of these people, and I came to like no, I was, it's amazing. It's like we're at the AA meeting for to, to go full circle. So you're the perfect yeah, example. Yeah, it's of amazing because now, now it's like I, I look at that. I, I, I dug up a couple of because this is back when I was using Facebook before because Australia doesn't really use Twitter. Uh -huh. And God, they're missing out. They are missing out because uh, I'm on that now. But like, uh, yeah, dug them up on Facebook and I just, I was like stunned. I was commenting on every post by every outlet, like IGN, Variety, Hollywood Reporter. I was just spamming stuff, hashtags like fuck Zack Snyder, bring back George Miller. Like you get the that mindset. kind of stuff. You get the mindset. That kind of stuff. And it's, and it's almost like a pack mentality thing to it. Like, yeah, yeah. I started there and then you just realize over time, like, what am I achieving? Then that's like, not the way to go about it. Yeah. BBS has been such an interesting thing for me because it's a movie I don't enjoy watching. 
But now, like, what's it, two years later, god damn do I appreciate it. It did something different. It did something, like, Yo, it, it's an interesting thing for me now because I just, I respect. That's the other thing. I, I think a lot of times we see this anger because it's, like, an initial reaction yep. without context. Yep. Yeah. And, and we fail to recognize the way that art and movies really evolve over yep. time. How, that's it. How our feelings can change. Yes, and sir. We, when we, we see them in, you know... I, I, you know, we have all this criticism of the new Star Wars movies. That saga is not over. We're still getting Episode Nine. Yeah, no, we're just, I don't think we can take nine, the Last yeah. Jedi until we have Episode Nine. We don't I mean, know you for can sure. St- you can still judge happening. it. You can still judge it. For you can sure. still judge it, but you're but not. You know, you don't we don't have, have full the full picture. Yet. Yeah, we don't and have to the full act picture. Act like you do is is just incorrect. Which is why yeah, Batman I, v Superman is the greatest superhero movie because we have not completed the Zack Snyder 10, <laughs> ten trilogy. <laughs> We will no, not but, until we get the Snyder Cut. Until we get the Snyder Cut, we won't know. Exactly, we won't know. But I agree ah. with you, man. There's this thing with... Um, to me, it's when it stops going... You can disagree with me in the YouTube comments. It's when you start coming on my Facebook and my yeah. Instagram and my Twitter that I go, you need to take it easy. Yeah. Because at that point, I, mean, I see that thing again about 10 Chlorophyll Lane where they swear something is there and it's not. But the moment it's proved that they were wrong, they'll never come back and apologize. Yeah, I mean, I think it all points to the idea that, you know, the art needs a dialogue. It's not a monologue. Yep. It's not somebody yeah. dictating stuff to you. Whether it's the filmmaker or the critic, there's a give and take, and no constructive dialogue contains death threats. So, yep. uh, you know, I, I think, especially because art is such a subject, subjective medium, there's no one true meaning behind a piece of art. It's very interpretable. You know, you look at the history of uh, underrepresented people and how they've been able to reappropriate art that wasn't intended for them. And and it shows you how art can have multiple meanings within one thing. And and so to then come, you know, jump off the tie rope and say like, no, this is correct. And you are wrong, and I am right, and treating it like some zero-sum game. I think that's ultimately what ruins the experience for people. And I think it's good to mention that uh, what I was struck by in James Mangold's comments is that he feels like this is the stuff that's going to keep the talented filmmakers away from these properties. And I agree with him. We're already complaining about how there's maybe a little bit too much... Uh, monotony across these films. There's going to be more if you don't allow people to take, take a risk. risks and, yeah. and yell at Imagine them. Imagine if they the Prisoner do. of Azkaban came out now. Just going to keep going back to that movie. Imagine uh-huh. if that movie came out now. Can I, so you've can got I an established just, uh, universe. You, that's your favorite of the the Harry Potter ones because it's mine. Yeah, uh, it's one of my favorite movies ever. Should I kind I? of owe it. I, I owe that movie like my current understanding I, of film. I think that's the one that like springboarded. Has any Should franchise? I? ever had a more talented director on it than Quaron? <laughs> like, no, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think it's a gift that we were able to get that. Like, I'd, I'd point to The Dark Knight next, maybe, but, like, I think Nolan wasn't Nolan as he is today. Uh, yeah, and obviously Quaron wasn't at the time, but in hindsight, you know, it's kind of incredible. But, like, what I'm... The thing is there is that, um, you know, like, imagine if that movie was made today... Um, you've already got to establish Harry Potter movies made by the guy who did... Um, who did like, uh, yeah, did like Home Alone and uh, yeah. and whatnot. So you've got this this particular style. He was meant to do all seven. Oh, all yeah, it was all seven at the time before they knew they were doing eight. 
And then they bring in a guy whose previous movie was a sexed up road trip movie um, to do a Harry Potter... Like, that... The, the idea that like we're already far removed from those days and that's not that long ago yeah, like Nolan it's being, it's Nolan, Nolan was thrown Batman Begins straight after Memento he hadn't done Insomnia yet and he said no give me two years I'm going to do Insomnia first then get back to me and I'll do it for you mm-hmm. so we don't get that these days like we don't get the idea of that happening is just so yeah, impossible. Colin Trevorrow goes straight from Yeah, yeah, you beat me to it. Yeah, all these indies that go straight to it. There's never the middle ground. It's straight to a it's, huge it's not even. It's not even that, though. Like, it's the fact that they've taken... It's not taking indie directors and doing... David Heyman's the producer for Harry Potter and going... His mentality was, we're going to get a guy because of what he has to offer in uh-huh. all regards not just his storytelling or we're not getting him because he tells he does great comedy or does great character or does it's him as the entire package you don't think and they I do think that there now? Is a, hmm? you don't think they do that now or do you think I don't, that I, no no because I, I man i keep going back to the visuals i keep going back to the visual storytelling in these marvel movies and stuff and it's just it's just not there it's mm-hmm. just not there in the way those directors are really bringing to their other like I don't know because I, I think the way I watch movies everyone's got a really specific way of watching movies right but like watching The Prisoner of Azkaban that is all, that is what I should have seen in Black Panther because uh, Quaron yeah. and and uh, Kugler have very similar styles uh, long take extended like extended shots moving camera Sorry, reframing all that stuff right um, that, that, that wasn't there in Black Panther Black Panther if you look at the shot framing it's all singles all shot reverse all it, none of Kugler's original style is there it's distinctly one of his movies in pretty much every way but the visuals and what I'm saying is these directors aren't being brought on as full packages um, to the point that it feels like to me it feels like Abrams doing Force Awakens was an auteur doing a because I'm distinctly seeing all Abrams there That's that movie's all yeah. Abrams in every regard yeah. but I'm starting to see less and less filmmakers being brought onto franchises uh, to do that and so I think I think there's an interesting thing there if directors are feeling kind of under threat as James Mangold has brought up there will right. they want to come forth uh, it, it's hard to quantify with directors that don't have an immediately recognisable style mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say Mangold has an immediately recognisable style but I'd still say the guy's an auteur and he still has he's mm-hmm. still a distinct filmmaker I'm yeah, sure and, and he would be feeling concerned going into Boba Fett. I know those films have been put on the back burner now because Disney's running scared currently because of all the backlash surrounding stuff. So I don't yeah. think we're ever going to see that film's ever going to see the light of day. But I'd be very concerned if I was in his position. Um, I think it is a very valid concern that... Um, and even then, like, Ryan Johnson as a filmmaker with a style is pretty safe. He's a pretty safe bet for Disney because he's a ballsy filmmaker who's made some really ballsy stuff and is responsible for some of the best episodes of TV ever. But... He's not a distinct... Like, as a stylist, he's not overtly difficult. You know what I mean? Like in He also of, works really well with the genre. That's what we talked yes. about. Remember when we said, why are they banking on a whole trilogy with this man? It seems that he's way more malleable than other directors that were probably options. It's not even malleable, but it's more the fact that he fits into the studio system. If you look at the way that he shoots stuff... Um, it's all, again, shot reverse, shot... Re- it's simple. Studios know what they're getting. When you bring in a director like, you know, Quaron or, or, you know, Nolan was safe to... Nolan's not safe anymore. He was at the time. You look at The Dark Knight, it's shot reverse and rotating shots. The three shot types in the whole movie. Really distinct, really easy stuff. But, like, I think going forward, yeah, there's a genuine risk. After seeing Coogler neutralised for Black Panther, I have a genuine concern with directors going forward with what they are going to be able to do. And 
you know, with and studios. And I know that's it's that's only the... going to get worse if they're constantly under this threat of of fans fan backlash. We yeah, said and that's that, we that's going into like it. 2013 or 2012. Remember, we were having this discussion. What was the year where either the internet or fans just became this like really crucial? Started with Man of Steel, I think. Which was 2013, right? 2013, yeah. There was like a year where all of a sudden cynicism became the thing. Also, track track when cinema sin started. I'm just gonna throw that yeah, in there. I mean, I think these <laughs> things are also gonna just get exponentially worse because of the way the way that internet is able to scale these voices and yeah. you know. You were mentioning earlier how uh, these filmmakers are responding to like the the lowest of the low criticism, yeah. and you know you see that a lot of these dumb criticisms are coming from Twitter accounts with five followers, zero followers, and yet they they sound you know the notification is just as big as uh, some someone with a hundred thousand followers. Uh, I think sometimes that like outsized voice that the internet gives people makes the criticism feel really loud when maybe it's not. Exactly, exactly. But that's the problem is that we feel like there's no middle ground. Um, and I think that makes for a really, in- it's just a really interesting environment because it happens around every film. Initially yep. at the start, everyone is, you know, that's why I'm not still talking about Thor Ragnarok. I didn't hate it, didn't love it. I'm just kind of in the middle on it. That's and, why I'm not still talking about it. And you move on to the that, next thing you like, yeah. That, so, so my voice on that movie has fallen away because I'm still talking about movies. I still talk about Mad Max Fury Road every day of my life. I still talk about Gravity. I still talk about uh, Justice League. Obviously, movies are all different ends of the spectrum there, but they're at different ends of the spectrum. I don't often, I don't bring up, uh, you know, all this time later, how average was... Trying to think of an average, but that's the thing. I can't even think of one right now because we don't talk about the movies in the middle ground. Yeah, you don't you don't obsess over those. Yeah, yeah, you, you don't. So it's an interesting thing in terms of the the criticism circles because we're having. Yeah, I think I think the people in the middle ground are the most interesting as well. I think they're they're the most the people that we can learn the most from. The most interesting discussions I've had about these divisive movies: uh, Fallen Kingdom, The Last Jedi, Batman vs Superman, were the people that were in the middle. Um, you know, that didn't really know where they sat on that type of thing. And it's not bad to have passion. It just goes back to that thing of uh, making somebody else maybe feel like crap because they didn't love or were at the standard of the movie that you did. Or just bashing somebody else. I think my biggest thing has always been those people who think Ryan Johnson, Zack Snyder, are out to get them. It's like, I don't believe... You don't have to like these directors. But it's crazy to... Again, What's my biggest thing that I always mention every episode is that intent to put somebody's intent in their mouth. They're not making these movies because they no. they don't know you. I think they're yeah. making something they like and it didn't work for you. That is completely different. I mean, the idea that they would make something to that destroy your is childhood. Bad or yeah. I was there. I was there. That's what I'm saying it's before. It's like that's where I, I was. I was in that position, and now two years later, I realized that I was an abs- like I was an idiot, man. Like I that's honestly the worst mindset I can imagine myself having. Mm-hmm. So, guys out there, as someone who is in that position, and there is a way to change. Leave Call the this- Leave the directors alone. Leave these filmmakers alone. Yeah. As as almost uh, was it Chris Chris McQuarrie that said whichever one of uh, James Mangold that said it's probably more the producers or the, the the studio. Even then, I'm pretty sure Kathleen Kennedy deserves a bit of a break right now. So don't even yeah, just stop yeah. going after the people. Talk about the movies and filmmakers. Listen, man. Filmmakers listen, and that's why Justice League. Especially happened. if you approach them respectfully. <laughs> they well, yeah. I mean, they, they listen though. It's proof that they listen. But you just got to be careful. I've honestly, I tweeted something else out a while ago about like, be careful not to panic them. Um, actually, I mentioned it in that solo video. Be careful not to panic them because people panicked uh, DC and Warner Brothers, and that gave us Suicide Squad and Justice League. 
Yeah. That's due to we fans panicked them. Um, so so you've got to keep the criticism like they're, they're out there listening. They're all listening. You just got to try mm-hmm. to say it in the right way. You know what I mean? Leave the filmmakers yeah. alone. I think that's a good note to end our fan backlash topic of the week on. Let us know what you think about this subject in the comments down below. Uh, we should get to the new to see and talk about what's new in theaters on streaming and VOD starting with July 13th, uh, Hotel Transylvania 3, Summer yeah. Vacation, Arts Pumped. Ooh, the trilogy. <laughs> and Skyscraper featured I... Dwayne Johnson's <laughs> detachable metal leg. Yeah, I got I got critic invites to both, and I declined both of them. How <laughs> I, was, dare you. I got my media invites for both of them, and yeah. I was like, declined. Sorry, I'm not reviewing them. I can't review any more mediocre movies. I have nothing left to say. I sit there and go, hey, you know what? It's average. When skyscraper comes out and has a Metacritic of 98, <laughs> but I would actually not be surprised if because um, it's directed by I think the Baywatch director. Oh, okay. Um, no, that's getting a <laughs> that's getting the opposite. <laughs> No, yeah. no, no. I, I, I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if there's some form of element to it where it's like it falls into that dumb fun category where it's right. Not like the Rampage dumb fun uh-huh. where it was like yeah. Rampage was actually just outright like insanely stupid and like insulting. But like I wouldn't be surprised if like Skyscraper Ramp- kind of has. I could see Skyscraper being I could see Skyscraper yeah, I- maybe having something. Yeah. Maybe. Also, I, yeah, mm, skip him. Skip him. <laughs> also out in limited release, Shock and Awe, Puzzle. Sorry to bother you. Expands and eighth grade is finally out in New York in and LA. LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get those in about six months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Australia uh, won't get those for ages. New to streaming, not a whole lot of new options on Netflix. July fifteenth, the Joel McHale show with Joel McHale returns on HBO Now. July fourteenth, Battle of the Sexes, the oh, yeah, Stone, tennis. Steve Carell, yeah. And then on July 16th, Robin Williams' Come Inside My Mind. That's a new documentary about the late comedian. On VOD, July 10th, A Quiet Place, Lean on Pete, Sweet Country, and The Leisure Seeker. Uh, Quiet Place probably being the one that I'd recommend out of all those. I don't Check know out Sweet Country, Leisure though. Check out Sweet Country oh, yeah? if you can. I saw that at Venice. It's Australian-made. It's actually pretty good. If you like, like, a slow-burn Western that gives a good idea at, like, our culture, like, 100 years ago, or, like, 50, 60, 70, 80, 80 years ago, check it out. There it's we go. Two weeks ago. <laughs> no, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do Pick of the Week. Art, start us off. Got the Pick of the Week. If it is expanding in your area, my theater pick for the week is sorry to bother you. I believe last I had mentioned uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor last week, so if that's expanding, definitely check that out. But Sorry to Bother You, I believe, is is, is the big one out there. Like I said, this is good. I, I want people to see it because I want to hear the people complaining or the people loving it. It's so bonkers. It's crazy. This is the bonkers W2F movie that worked for me this year. Caught it at Sundance. I can't wait to catch it again. Um, so definitely check that out because I'm curious to see people's thoughts on it. There's a specific rap scene in there that I think really is one of the highlights of the movie, but definitely check that out. You may not love it. You may not like it, but I definitely say uh, that it's something different and definitely give it a watch. If you are at home, though, I believe Zach and I are both going to have a very similar recommendation on this. Glow, you have an entire season and then an entire new season to catch up on, so definitely check that out. So in theaters, sorry to bother you, at home, Glow. 
Bailey, any choices? I, well, I totally jumped on that early. Uh, I didn't realize that was. I was like, <laughs> as you're bringing them up, I was like, oh, quick! Before we forget, we must get, we must shout out this type of thing. Um, no, so I uh, was. It? I heard there was. So Sweet Country was in there. What were the other ones? There was uh, Lean on Pete's really good. Saw that at the world premiere as well. That was dope. Uh, really, you know, uh, emotional kind of story about a, a young kid who doesn't have a whole lot in his life mm-hmm. um, and kind were of crisis and attach. What was that? Quiet place. Yeah, quiet places. Yeah, those those three, man. Like, check check those out in cinemas. Um, mm, mm, I, I haven't seen Sorry to Bother You. I won't get that for about six months, but I cannot wait to see that. So even though I haven't seen that, I uh-huh. I want to shout out like recommend seeing that. He said, "Emma and the Wasp," twice no, in theaters. No, no, none of that, none of that. And if you're yeah, if you're at home on Netflix or, or watching stuff at home, I don't know. I only just finished Westworld, and I wish I'd stopped at season one. Uh, so so I don't know. I don't know. That's it, yeah. Watch watch whatever. Just pick something random and chuck whatever. it on. <laughs> just no, enjoy I'm not life. Just, just pick something random. Just chuck something on. Yeah, Definitely let yeah. us know your guys' picks of the weeks down below as well because we do read them. Some of you guys actually have some very interesting choices, which just adds to like our ever-growing list of either TV shows or movies that we got to catch up on. So that's always dope yeah, to hear. Yeah, uh, we had a comment last week asking if we've seen Seven Seconds. I haven't, but I know you have. I, might, I, I don't know if you want to give your... Yeah, I know I had brought it up on whatever month that was on my wrap-up for my channel. But I, I want to say yeah. that I did cover it on one of the... Uh, what we've been watching on one of the previous ones. Yeah. But I love Seven Seconds. I think it was a pick for the week at some point. It probably was a pick for the week that I had as well. So yeah, no, I do like it. So. So, yeah, <laughs> that's what nice. I think about that. Uh, yeah, I'm with you in the recommendation of Glow Season 2. It's great. It's probably better than the first season, and Alison Brie is doing some really amazing stuff at the center of that show. It's very funny. There's interesting drama in it, too. I think it's a very easy watch uh, and a fun watch, too. And then uh, if you want to check out a movie, VOD, uh, we just talked about it last week on the show. It's one of my favorites of the year so far, A Quiet Place. Uh, it's not amazing, but it's a solid horror thriller. Uh, not a bunch of scares in there, but I love the construction of it. I love how it's playing with the idea of what do you do when you take the sound away as an element to you know really utilize. So uh, I think it's a really interesting movie from John Krasinski, and I would definitely recommend it. But that's all for this week's show. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, at ZShevich, or on Instagram, also at ZShevich. And check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash multiplex show. Bailey, where can people check out more stuff from Plug you? Plug yourself, uh, you Bailey. Can, well, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Breaking Banter. I've also got Instagram as well, which you can follow me on, but I don't do too much on there. Obviously, you've got my YouTube channel, Breaking Banter. I have a new uh, show coming out this weekend. The trailer is dropping on Thursday. The new show is going to be kind of... Uh, an appreci- appreciation type thing where it's just me talking about stuff that I love, whether that's films, games, TV, uh, music, whatever, just a new thing every two weeks or so, as often as, as I can pump it out. So you might want to check that out. Um, but yeah, that's that's me. Oh, You can find me at The A to Z Show on Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, and of course YouTube. Uh, big shout out to you guys who watched Let Me Explain. I passed 100,000, so it was like supposed to be a little experiment. I guess it's working, so Hear Me Out, I guess, is next. Mainly th- those two big things is that way I have my fully dedicated movie channel, which obviously you guys are liking, fully dedicated music channel. And then I got plans for the A to Z show, man. I got plans to make it like a true show, not just covering like Skyscraper that came out for the week, but like some other stuff. So I got some videos uh, that I'm going to be working on for the rest of the the year, similar to the style, kind of this backdrop that you guys see here. But that's some big moves that I'm hoping to make for the, for the end of the end of the year. But of course... 
not only catch me at the A to Z show, definitely go check out Bailey. Bailey, thanks for being on here. Uh, truly Thank you guys it. so much thanks for having so me. That was life. awesome, guys. Look forward to having you on. Uh, whenever Taika Waititi comes out with Thor Ragnarok 2, we'll definitely have you on. And I'll teach you the day one, of... man. I'll be there day one. I want to support that. But, uh, yeah, you could also check me out on The Intercut. Yes, you can listen to every episode of The Intercut Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcatcher. I like Overcast. And also, make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well, right here on YouTube at youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest happenings in the entertainment industry for you. Uh, you can also find new episodes of Intercut every Tuesday. Tuesday. We'll see. We're, we're trying to get on that schedule. Also, like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages, all of them at IntercutPod, to get updates throughout the week from me, from Art, from Bailey, too. We'll be retweeting out some of his stuff, so make sure you're following us there. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, hey, Westworld, Coco did that you can only live as wrong as your remembered thing first. What are you doing? Uh, That's true.